Welcome to A Little Louder Now, a podcast produced by the Bridge Initiative and FI360 Project. This is the Breaking Barrier series. We are Alex and Alicia, your hosts and resident fangirls of all women who break barriers for others. During the Breaking Barrier series, we highlight individuals from all industries and all walks of life who have blazed trails for others. We at the Bridge Initiative support equality, diversity, representation, and trailblazers from literally all walks of life. And this month, we're in June, and our theme for this month is Rainbow Connection. Today, we're going to talk about Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino. You are, you particularly are really excited about Megan Rapino. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I don't know if I've seen you fangirl this hard about somebody since we did the podcast last year in June, actually, on Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, I really like that she's living her best life, and she's like a confident woman who knows who she is and what she wants and what she stands for, and that you know she don't let them hate as hate. Right. She doesn't get. She doesn't let it bother her. Yeah, it just rolls right off her back. So yep. we're talking about Megan Rapinoe because she's an advocate for equality in sports, specifically Major League Soccer. She's a women's soccer great, leading the U.S. women's national team to three world champions, championships, mm-hmm. excuse me, yeah. and a gold medal in the 2012 Olympics. I mean, she's quite impressive. This, um, you know, when we sat down and, you know, we're going over the research, I, I was very impressed. Mm-hmm. But I know I know who she is, obviously, because she's a very big name right now. Who she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, the, she, did, she has done more than I... I knew about, so I'm glad that we're going to, you know, peel back a layer and, um, you know, introduce some people, hopefully, to who Megan Rapino is. So, like, let, let's get in there. Let's okay. talk about, let's talk about Megan. All right. So, Megan was born on July 5th, 1985, to Jim and Denise Rapino. Uh, she has five siblings. She's a twin. You have twins. I do. Yeah. Uh, she has a fraternal twin whose name is Rachel. Uh, her grandfather called her Ma Barker after a notorious 1920s gangster. I that's <laughs> As a hilarious. Child. That's yeah. really funny to me. She, I don't remember what her sister's nickname was, but it was like Sunshine or Princess or something like that. And hers was <laughs> Ma Barker because she's so feisty and has a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And her grandfather saw that and was like, yeah, you're... You're a 1920s gangster. Yeah. Like, gangster. You, you're going to get what you want in life. <laughs> so, um, I want you to tell me a little bit about her brother, Brian. Okay. I'm sorry, I have the squeakiest chair. You ever. do. You have this, you sat in the squeakiest chair today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I apologize in advance. I cannot sit still. <laughs> it's true. She can't. Um, anyway, Megan has an older brother, Brian, who she absolutely idolized. Um, as a kid, especially, and he started playing soccer, um, you know, when he was young. And uh, Megan decided at age three, um, after watching him, that she, she wanted to do it. She wanted to do if if Brian was doing it, she wanted to do it. I think he was like eight or nine. Yeah, and she was three. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's pretty natural for siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so she and Rachel, they both absolutely adored Brian. Um, he taught them how to catch crawfish. Um, and then also, obviously, how to play soccer. He, he obviously did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan has, has said about him, uh, quote, I worshipped him. 
He played left wing, so I played left wing. He wore number seven, so I wore number seven. He got a bowl cut, so I did too. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting story because this is a part of Megan's life that I didn't actually know about. Because mm-hmm. you see all the like, oh, Megan Rapino with her pink slash purple hair. Like, oh, you know. Yeah. She does have that really cool hair. Remember vibe this, this summer? I was going to go per, uh, pink hair. And I was like, no. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as cool as Megan Rapino. No. <laughs> um, so when, when her brother Brian was 15 and she was 10, he was put in a juvenile detention facility for bringing drugs to school and has since been in and out of various prisons. Um, he actually watched the 2012 World Cup from solitary confinement. That's interesting. He mm-hmm. was able to, that they allowed him to do that. I, I think they had it on in a corner and he had to make a stack of books to sit on to be oh able gosh. to see it. But that's dedication well, to, he your, has, to your sister. He had a moment in his life. I mean, and we could have a separate podcast about him specifically and in his struggles, but I don't want to talk too much about him in this, but um, he hit a point where after the 2012 Olympics, his whole family was there. They were all celebrating and he was in jail mm-hmm. and he was tired of being the guy that couldn't be there for his family. Yeah. And so since then he has made a determined effort to avoid drugs after seeing Megan's success in international soccer, you know, and not being able to be there to celebrate with her. Um, he is actually doing really well. He watched the 2019 world Cup from San Diego's male community reentry program, which is, a rehabilitative program that allows an inmate to finish the final 12 months of their sentence by taking classes or working jobs outside of prison. Um, he's wearing an ankle monitor, so he couldn't go to France, but uh, he was able to watch it there. He says of Megan, and I quote, I was her hero, but now there's no question. She's mine. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I think that, you know, for, for both the girls, you know, Megan and Rachel, soccer was a means to get away from all of the drug use that was so rampant in rural, rural mm-hmm. California when they were growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, Megan, she, she watched the 1999 FIFA women's world cup. Um, and she was just, she was in awe of it. Um, her hero was, uh, on the team. Um, Christine Lilly. Mm-hmm. No, and she's 14 when she's watching the 1999 World Cup, right? Yeah, she's about that, you know, Mm -hmm. 14, 15-ish. And uh, so Christine Lilly, she actually, she played on the 1999 U.S. Women's National Team. Um, And then when Megan was called up eventually to that team, she met her idol. They played on the same team. Yeah. For a brief period, because Christine Lilly was about to retire, and, and Megan was one of, like, the new blood. Yeah, as it happens, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you imagine meeting your, your playing idol with your idol and playing with her? Oh my gosh. And I mean, I, from what I understand, Christine Lilly was super nice. Like she could have been like, hi, bow to me. I'm Christine Lilly. But like she, <laughs> she didn't do that. And she was just like, Hey guys, what's up? And, and, and <laughs> just straight up fangirled. And it's very funny. Just was like not able to speak to her yeah. at all. <laughs> just like, uh, yeah, I, we don't know. Uh, we're just here. I don't, we don't know what we're doing. We're just trying to survive. And you know, you're you, you're, you're, uh, you're Christine, Christine Lilly, and I love you. And, you know, I had your posters and obviously you didn't have mine because I'm, you know, me and okay, bye. bye. <laughs> That's a quote of her recounting what she said to Christine Lilly the first day. 
But before we get too deep in this, because we're about to have a big meal of soccer. Yeah. Um, the U.S. women's national team is the team that plays for the United States internationally. So think the Olympics and think FIFA World Cup. So like specifically for us in uh, 2020, we're recording this in at the end of 2019 mm-hmm. um, for various reasons. But uh, so earlier in 2019, they won very big on a very big scale that was, was the u.s women's national team yes that was playing in the fifa right. world cup they also right. play in the olympics yep. and they play in off years um you're still on the roster even though they don't have any big events going on but in off years they have like friendly games there should be olympics in 2020 shouldn't there i think so yeah 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 it's 2016 right yeah Maybe we're in the thick of it. I don't know. I don't know when the Olympics are. I don't pay attention. They're still in the Olympics. Good job. (laughs) I hope you win. Anyway, Um, let's talk about soccer, soccer, and then obviously some more soccer. Yeah. All all of the soccer. Yeah. So if you don't like soccer, sorry, just suck it up. I'm going to preface this with there's a bunch of different team levels, a bunch of different leagues. We're going to try and spell it out, but we're not going to dig in too deep to anything because we just want to give you a really high level that she is very good at soccer. If you take (laughs) nothing else from this, that's what you should take from this. Yes, she's one of the best. (laughs) Yeah. So she started playing at three, um, played up um, through middle school with teams that her father coached for most of her youth. and then As kids do. Yeah. In high school, she decided to play for the Elk Grove Pride Club team, which was located south of Sacramento, instead of the high school team to which she could have played. Mm-hmm. So that's instead of playing for her high school team, she played for a club travel soccer team. That's all it is. Got it. Um, so from 2002 to 2005, she played with them. Um, it was a part of the Women's Premier Soccer League. And she actually played with her future national teammate, Stephanie Cox. And her sister. And her sister, yes. They, she and her family commuted two and a half hours for them to play um, with this team every day. Almost. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. During the U.S. Soccer National Championships, so this is like a um, high school level Premier League, okay. basically. Um, she, Megan, scored the equalizer goal. And they ended up losing the game, but Megan scored in the national championships, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Yeah. Um, she was named Parade and National Soccer Coaches Association of America All-American as a junior and senior. All that means is that if they made up a fake team of all the best players all over the world, or I'm sorry, all over the country, um, of American high school students, she made that team. It's like the All-Stars. Yeah, like the all, like all American football players. Yeah, that's what it is. It's yeah. the same thing. It's just with soccer. Okay. Um, she was she was given a whole bunch of awards, right? So she was named yeah. um, to McDonald's All American Girls High School Soccer West Team 2004. Um, then she started playing with um, a couple of other different teams, um, some Olympic development program teams in 1999, mm-hmm. um, and then she also played with uh, a re- a regional. Olympic development team in 2002. So during this time, I mean, 1999, remember, she's like 14, 15 years old, 2002. She's, you know, what, 17, 17 ish. 
Um, and then she also she played in the uh, 2004 FIFA Under-19 Women's World Championship um, in 2004. And, um, and during that uh, game, was it? game um, tournament, that's the word, tournament, yes, uh, the, the U.S. actually finished third. Right. So she, not only was she playing soccer, but she was also playing, competing in track as a freshman, sophomore, and competing in basketball as a freshman, sophomore, and senior. Not so, only that, right. but she was a real smart cookie. Mm-hmm. She was on the honor roll for every semester that she was in high school. Right. So, I mean, she just, she was a busy kid. Yeah. Um, so she graduates high school, um, ends up going to college. She goes to the University of Portland in Portland, Oregon with her twin sister. In 2005, as a freshman, she helped the University of Portland pilots. That's their person. That's what they're called. Yeah. They're their they mascot. A, that's, thank you. Yeah. An undefeated season and the NCAA Division One Women's Soccer Championship. So they won the soccer championship and they never lost a game with Megan. Year one. Um, all right. So moving on, uh, they played on a, a college cup. Yep. Um, in the quarterfinal against Notre Dame, she scored twice um, and had one assist. Mm-hmm. Helping the pilots, her team. Um, it's an odd mascot. I wonder what that looks like. I would like to. I'm gonna look that plane. up. Yeah, I'm thinking like Amelia Earhart. Like, yeah. Like anyway, um, if that's not what it is, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we will look it up so that we're not ignorant after this. Um, anyway, during the final against UCLA, she scored um, a goal and an assist, and the pilots won that college cup. I think um, four. No- yeah. Oh, sorry, the quarterfinal, four to nothing. She was named uh, NSCAA first team um, All American and was on the Soccer America first team freshman All American. Same sort of thing as the All American in high school. It's just college level. Those are a lot of words. Yeah. Um, so she made the NCAA Women's Soccer Championship All Tournament team and was the West Coast Conference Freshman of the Year. So, on the West Coast, she was the best freshman in soccer. Mm -hmm. She was also named to the All-West Coast Conference first team and the All-West Coast Conference freshman team. So, she's just really good at soccer. (laughs) Yeah. So, during this time, she played all 25 games as a midfielder. She scored 15 goals, had 13 assists for 43 points, ranking fifth for freshman total points in school history. She also scored seven game-winning goals that year alone. That's incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. So moving on to 2006, she's a sophomore. Mm-hmm. She's among the leading scorers in the nation with 10 goals and two assists in 11 games. Um, she suffered her first season-ending ACL inter- injury against Washington State University. Not their fault. Um, so it's kind of a wrap on 2006 for her because she can't <laughs> play anymore. In 2007, <laughs> she suffered her second ACL industry in game two. Injury. Yeah. What did I say? I don't know what you said. <laughs> she suffered her second ACL injury, which ended her season in game two. Okay. So 2006 and 2007, she really doesn't play. That's her uh, sophomore and junior year? hmm Yeah. In 2008, she's better. She was on the starting lineup for all 22 games of the Pilots. She helped this team secure a 20-2 and record. She scored five goals. She served 13 assists. 
Um, that is the highest number of cis on the pilots team, as well as in the West Coast Conference. She was named West Coast Conference Player of the Year. Yep. Soccer America First Team All-American. Yep. NSCAA Second Team All-American. Yep. Um, and then, although she had um, one more year of college eligibility because um, she was actually granted a medical hardship waiver by the NCAA, um, I guess because of those uh, ACL injuries. Yeah. yeah, she missed a whole season. Yeah. They were like, okay, you can. You can have another one, yeah. another try. Um, but instead of, you know, doing that, she opted to enter the women's professional soccer draft instead. Um, I want to interject real quick here. Megan's 88-point career at the University of Portland Pilots, including 30 goals and 28 assists, ranks 10th in school history despite only playing 60 games. Can you imagine if she had been healthy the entire time of her, she's you know, a, she's a beast. college career? Like, it, this is not natural human development. <laughs> <laughs> she is a mutant. I want to know what you eat. <laughs> probably not the crap that you and I eat. <laughs> yeah, probably right. <laughs> um, okay, so that was her uh, her college soccer career. Let's go and talk about her now. We, we promised soccer, soccer, and more soccer. So let's talk about her professional soccer career. I feel like career. we blew through that. It's like 12 years of soccer that we just like. We did. I mean, we did a good job about it, I think. Yeah. So you know, condensing on. it down. I mean, she did a lot. It's hard to. It's going to get less condensed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, it's hard to condense all of the things that she's done because she's done so, so much. much. She's done so many great things. And so bear with us. We're going to make this. Uh, as painless as possible. Well, we're going to try to make it as painless as possible. <laughs> Just follow along. Um, we'll post, um, we'll try to post like a, an outline um, to, to the, uh, like what she page. did when. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you can hopefully follow along if you get confused. Cause there's a lot. So go ahead, Alicia, talk to us okay. about professional soccer. So Megan was selected second overall in the 2009 draft for professional soccer. It's the league is super freaking cool. Women's professional soccer, which is important because that we'll get there changes. Yeah. Um, in its inaugural season, this is the first year that they're going to have a women's professional soccer league, and she is picked second ever. And this is the highest division of soccer at the time, right? So this mm -hmm. is two thousand and what nine? Yeah, yeah. She was drafted by the Chicago Red Stars. Okay, so. She was on the starting lineup for 17 of 18 games in which she played 1,375 minutes. That ends up being 81 minutes a game. The games are 90 minutes. Yeah. So it's basically the whole game for every game all season. So during this first year, she scored two goals and assisted on three others. Mm -hmm. um, and then she was named uh, to the league's all-star team and played in the all-star game against a Swedish team. Yeah. Pretty cool. Again, first year they're trying to figure out what they're doing here. Yeah. So in 2010, she's still with the Chicago Red Stars. This is her second year. Mm -hmm. She starts in 19 of the 20 games. She scores one goal. Um, in December of 2010, she signed with the Philadelphia Independence, which is not one of the original teams of the women's professional soccer because the Chicago Red Stars ceased operations in the Women's Professional Soccer League. Well, it folded. Yeah, they, like, shut down for a year. Yeah, and they eventually replaced it with women. the women, 
excuse me, the National Women's Soccer League in 2013. Right, but they're there are but other like the Red Stars were the first team to yes. fold. Um, so even while they're folding, she moves to Philly and plays with them. Yes. 2011. All the things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the U.S. Women's National Team, so the team that plays the FIFA World Cup and the Olympics for the United States, uh, had to win a playoff against Italy to even get to the FIFA World Cup. Mm-hmm. Megan served the assist in the game-winning goal that earned the U.S. a spot in the World Cup. She was named to the World Cup team, which is essentially just, hey, we're going to play you at the World Cup. Travel with I us. I mean, like, that's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the game against Colombia mm-hmm. in the FIFA World Cup in 2011, she, um, like, almost immediately after she was put in the game... She scored a goal, mm-hmm. and then she celebrated this goal by uh, running over to one of the the mics. Yeah, in the uh, corner. In the corner, and she sang "Born in the USA" on, on one of the live mics. <laughs> it's a great video. If you, if I you have not seen it, this video. It, I. It's why great. have you not sent this to me? I, I want to see it. Well, afterwards you can watch it. Yeah, but it's a really great video. And then, so in the quarterfinal match against Brazil. Megan Rapinoe came on as a substitute and served the most beautiful cross to Abby Wambach, resulting in a 122-minute goal and game winner. Now, they're in extra time at this point. Yeah, I mean, 122 minutes. That's That's a long game. It's a long game. (laughs) So that's the latest goal scored ever in a World Cup match. Um, She also converted a shot to a goal in the shootout to help send the U.S. to the semifinals. After this game, um, and and this this cross, the most you you, you called it, the most beautiful cross. It really is. If you haven't seen it, it is just perfection. Um. So after this, she was named to ESPN's Next Level Player of the Week. Mm-hmm. So then they play against Japan. Mm-hmm. Um. It's sold out. Forty-eight thousand eight hundred seventeen spectators. She serves another assist. The third one of the tournament to Alex Morgan. The game ended up being tied 2-2. And the U.S. women's team ended up losing in a penalty kick shootout, which is a bummer, dude. Yeah, but she did win. Uh, not win. She uh, played in all six games in the tournament and mm-hmm. um, won uh, silver with them. She said that she was, like, heartbroken when they didn't mm-hmm. win. I mean, obviously, who wouldn't be? Yeah. Um work so hard right. get to this national stage and then they get home stage. and everyone is treating them like they won you know like they were she didn't expect there to be fanfare and people like oh i've watched you but they won silver yeah that's so like, cool she didn't expect their efforts to be recognized and it, they were and so she said they felt like they were treated like heroes even though they didn't win i mean but it would have been cool while all that's going on. Yeah, this is really <laughs> interesting. So while she's, you know, playing in this World Cup, Megan got traded mm-hmm. from the Philadelphia team to a team called Magic Jack. Which was formerly called the Washington Freedom. Sounds awful. And this is part of the reason why the um, women's professional soccer ended up folding as a whole. And becoming the Women's Professional Soccer League. Okay, so uh, she was traded to this team. Um, 
it was reported that it was unofficially the biggest transfer in um, the women's uh, professional, professional soccer, soccer history. Um, Magic Jack sent $100,000 to Philadelphia for Megan, which was basically, you know, equated out to one-fifth of the entire player player payroll for Philadelphia. That's 20%. Yeah. I, for those of you that don't feel like thinking right now and you're driving in the car. 20% of the player payroll <laughs> they sent. Um, so as she's playing for Magic Jack, she scored two goals in her eight regular season appearances for them. The team finished third in the league standings and they were in the playoffs in um, August 2011. She scored solidifying the 3-1 win and advancement to the championship. They were later defeated by the Philadelphia Independents, her old team. Yeah. Uh, so then in 2011, it burns. But in October of that year, 2011, the Women's Professional Soccer um, League voted to terminate the Magic Jack franchise, which left Megan and all the other players as free agents for the 2012 season. So, and that is also when, shortly thereafter, mm -hmm. the women's professional soccer folds. Right. Because they were having issues with the owner, I guess, of Magic Jack, and they just fold, and then a new league comes out of that in a, in a year. So, yes. Anyway. <laughs> See? We told you. We told a lot. You. It's a lot of stuff. So, anyway, at this point, she has um, no team. So she decides, I'm just going to go to Australia and play some games there. <laughs> so she played two games as a guest player in Australia for the W League W W League okay. <laughs> team called um, Sydney Football Club. In her second game, she scored with seven minutes remaining, helping to give that team their first win of the season. They went on to finish third in the regular season and advance to the playoffs, I think because Megan gave them a lot of energy. Yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, her feistiness... Maybe Ma she Barker. was channeling Ma Barker. Yeah. Ma, Ma Barker's in town. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's... Uh, that was 2011. That was a lot of 2011. Yeah. Um, let's go on to That's the biggest meal for all the years. So you're through the, the worst well, until... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in 2012, um, it was the summer, Megan joined her uh, fellow national team members, Hope Solil and Alex Morgan, um, among them. Um, you know, they, obviously there were others. The, they played with the Seattle Sounders in between camps with the national team um, as they were preparing for the 2012 Summer Olympics. Right. Mm -hmm. She made two appearances with them and had two assists during that time. Mm -hmm. the, the Sounders, uh, with Megan and, you know, her national teammates, um, you know, playing, they sold out nine of their ten home games um at this was strange 4500 yeah it's small it's a small uh considering the stage that, th that those women are on that's small uh average attendance was four times higher than the next closest team well think of it it's this is two years after they just started having well yeah i guess so. soccer team yeah they had no idea how it was gonna you know, right. turn out so. they're no longer playing in arenas of 4500 no <laughs> no <laughs> So then we go on to the 2012 Olympics. This They were held in London that year. Mm -hmm. um, and Megan helped to lead the U.S. women's national team to a gold medal. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah. She did. 
Um, so Megan was obviously playing for the U.S. And oh, she no <laughs> second. So like the way the the all of these tournaments are broken out is they have group stages, and then once you're down to like the semi the quarterfinals, semifinals, and the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the second group stage match against Colombia, she scored the scored scold scold <laughs> scored the goal scold. <laughs> she scored the game winning goal in the thirty third minute. And then the next game against Canada, uh, it was a contentious and dramatic game. Megan scored two game equalizing goals in the 54th and 70th minutes. Her first goal was scored directly from a corner, which is extremely rare. Nobody else touched it, and it's called an Olympico. She's the only player to score one ever. That, that's... I keep using this word all the time, but it's just really cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying only woman. I'm saying only person. Yeah. Person. <laughs> person. So they end up defeating Canada. And Megan, with her two goals, is one of the only five players to have scored two goals in an Olympic semifinal game. Um, so then what happened in the final? Okay. So the final of the the Olympics, uh, 2012, they, they clinched that gold medal by defeating Japan 2-1 to one at Wembley Stadium in front of more than 80,000 people, the largest crowd ever for a women's Olympic soccer game. Um, and Megan achie- achieved a career best, eight goals and 12 assists for the U.S. In-, in that whole tournament. Right. So, okay, so at this point in the U.S., the professional soccer league is dead. Yes. The women's professional soccer has folded. So there's, Megan, there's no team for her to play on. Right. So without she, the, the U S women's national team. Right. Uh, and they just won a world cup. Right. right. Well, uh, the Olympic gold. The, yeah. They won gold. Not a world cup. I made right. that up. Um, don't so lie. Megan, don't lie to people. Megan decided to go play for Olympic Lyonnaise for six months in France. 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 Uh, she scored two goals, primarily playing as left winger. She is the fifth American woman in history to play in a Champions League final. Uh, Leon Leon Fasted. Oh my gosh. What is wrong with me? Your words today. I know. Leon Faced Wolfsburg on May 23rd. They actually lost the game, but Megan concluded her debut having made five appearances, scoring two goals and serving an assist. Um, She played in, in Algarve. Uh, cup in Portugal. Yep. She was named player of that tournament despite only playing in two of the four games. Um, she was actually injured in practice and didn't play in the final right. that one. Uh, so then she's back with the U.S. women's national team at this point. So during a friendly match against South Korea in June 2013, she served a corner kick that ended up being Abby Wombat's 159th international goal, which broke the world record for the most international goal scored by Anyone. Any one. One. Any particular person. Human being. Human being. Thank you. Uh, Not robot, just to be clear. So then Megan joins the Seattle Rain Football Club. Which is in the... Which league? The U.S. Women's... uh, What do we call it? Women's National... National Women's Soccer League. Yeah, the NWSL. The National Women's Soccer League. Yes. Um, 
that's so she joins the Seattle Rain in 2013, right after they've created this National Women's Soccer League mm-hmm. with a lot of the same teams, but um, some new ones and some different ones. Yeah. Before she joined, they hadn't won a game <laughs> with the addition of Megan and Hope Solo, as well as some lineup changes. The team was able to turn their season around. Um, she, they ended up playing the Chicago Red Stars. Was her, her first team. Her first team, the people that drafted her. Mm-hmm. And she was directly involved in all four of their goals <laughs> against them. Um, yeah. <laughs> she was the leading scorer for the Seattle Reign, despite only playing half the season because she was, you know, in other places. Mm-hmm. She um, continued to play with the Seattle Reign 2014 and um, also in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she did... Uh, she also played for the women's world cup for the U S in 2015, Mm -hmm. um, and led to a world cup win for the U S team. Um, they won against Japan and Vancouver. Um, poor Japan. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, um, so in 2016, she was injured during the victory tour for the world cup in 2015. So she didn't play very much. Um, for the early part of the season. For the rain. The Seattle yeah. rain. Right. But then in the 2016 Olympics, um, she had an ACL injury and barely made the roster for the U.S. Women's National Team. She says herself that she wasn't at her best. She didn't play 100%. And the U.S. ended up being eliminated in the quarterfinals. Yeah. She said one. herself she had a terrible tournament. Yeah. Um, after the Olympics, she kneeled at a friendly game. In solidarity with Colin Kaepernick and others and the WNBA mm-hmm. um, and their social activism. And she started getting left off of rosters and was told, and I quote, you're not really at the level that you need to be, end quote. She said that the Federation was not very supportive publicly or privately of her decision to kneel. And she felt like she was being put out to pasture because at the time... So, like, the Nash, her Seattle Rain team, mm-hmm. they weren't playing. They weren't practicing. Right. Um, and she needed to get into better shape so she could play with the national team, but she wasn't rostered, so she wasn't allowed to practice with them. So she had nowhere to get into shape or play with others at her level. And she she mentioned um, that she felt like she was being blackballed because mm-hmm. of this uh, the kneeling that she was doing um, in solidarity. Uh, right. And, and the this, this social activism that she was doing. Um, right. but she worked on her own, mm-hmm. you know, she decided to, to go out on her own and, and get back to the level that she needed to be at. I'm saying that real spicy right Yeah. Now. With air quotes. Yeah. Um, so she worked really hard. She trained on her own and forced herself to get back. Like she, she basically forced herself back onto the team. Like it was so good. They couldn't say no to her. Yeah. And so when she got <laughs> the call, um, to go back, she had like the biggest smile on her face and felt like. You know, that was where she needed to be. Right. And she sort of showed them, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so in 2017, she was the Seattle Reigns leading scorer and the league's third highest with 12 goals. Her performance contributed to her nomination as FIFA World Player of the Year in 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, you know, in 2018, um, wait, that was 2018, right? No, that was 2017. Oh, 2017? Okay. Um, so 2018, they, the Reign finished fifth in the league um, for two consecutive seasons. 
Um, they finished third to return to the playoffs, and they lost to the Portland Thorns in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. So it's like the years are kind of shorter when she's not like there's not a, an Olympics or a FIFA yeah. World Cup because she's just playing with the rain. But right. right. In 2019, this is this is a big year. This was the year of Megan. Yeah. Yeah. So the rain were defeated in the playoffs by the North Carolina Courage in the semifinal match of the National Women's Soccer League. So um, she's currently the team captain for the Seattle Rain. At the time we are recording this. Yeah. At the end of 2019, she yeah. is the, the team captain. Right. Um, Megan played for the U.S. in the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup in France. This was the one that we were talking about at the beginning. The, yeah. This is where I knew her from. Yeah. She said, and I quote, I feel like I have everything to prove all over again. Um, for the World, World Cup. Yeah. I think because of her last Olympic uh, performance and... Um, her social activism. And... Yeah, not only that, but she's also um, she was one of the older players at the time, right? Too, right? So right. She was she was what thirty four during that tournament, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think is very old. But for soccer, it is. But yeah, I guess for a professional athlete, yeah, yeah, that's much like on the elder ballet. elder yeah. scale. Yeah. Um. So during the World Cup final, she scored her fiftieth international goal on a penalty kick. The U.S. won the World Cup against the Netherlands with a score of 2-0. This is its second consecutive World Cup championship. At age 34, she was the oldest woman to score in a World Cup final and was named player of the match. She was awarded the Golden Boot as the top scorer in the tournament with six goals, having played fewer minutes than her teammate, Alex Morgan. Not to be confused with me. Right. I want to give credit where credit is due. England's Ellen White also recorded six goals, but she was not given the golden boot because she had more playing time. Right. Um, Megan was also awarded the golden ball, so she got a a boot and a ball um, as the the best player. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, As the best player in the tournament. Mm -hmm. And she is one of the current captains of the U.S. Women National Team. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was also awarded the FIFA Best Women's Player in the World. And I quote, this is from her speech. I quote, we have such an incredible opportunity being professional football players. We have so much success, financial and otherwise. We have incredible platforms. I ask everyone here, because I think everyone in this room probably has that crown that they're bearing, to lend your platform to other people. Lift other people up. Share your success. We have a unique opportunity in football, different to any other sport in the world, to use this beautiful game to actually change the world for the better. That's my charge to everyone. I take you hope I hope you take that to heart and just do something. Do anything. We have incredible power in this room. I think that that is a very beautiful quote mm-hmm. um, from her. I really like the first part of it. Um, you know that they, they have had so much success, the U.S. women's team. Um, you know, financial and you know otherwise, they and they do have an international platform. Um, I think that she's using it pretty well. She's mm-hmm. using it right now to promote um, some really interesting causes, which we're going to talk about soon. Um, yeah. But yeah, but let's let's talk about some of that activism. So we just went through her entire 
soccer career. And now we're going to interject the personal life things that were going on during those times. Yeah. Yeah. Like this. Um, so do you know the World Cup is typically played on turf and not grass? I For women? Yes. yes. For men? Never. <laughs> I... I don't like that. No. Um, I don't, shouldn't. <laughs> I don't like uh, when things are not the same. Right. I like fairness. But um, anyway, so Megan is like, is really strongly against this um, because the turf is harder on uh, the body than grass is. Turf has less give um, than grass. Obviously, grass is like, you know, softer. Well, um, it's the dirt underneath. Yeah, the dirt. You know, there's concrete or any turf. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you can put, um, like, padding, but it, it doesn't have the same feel yeah. as, like, actual grass does. It can affect the play and the health of the, the players. So it's... Well, I, I don't think it's really that big of a deal if everybody has to play on turf. But the fact that the Women's World Cup in 2015 was exclusively played on turf... And the men's was not. It was exclusively put on grass. Was a really interesting point. And um, Megan, she actually said, and I quote, and look, I get it. We don't have the ability to play on natural grass fields all the time. Sometimes it's not logistically or financially possible. But at the international level, to hold a major money-making global spectacle and to have play on turf is ridiculous in my opinion the world cup is hard enough on your body due to all the travel to add extra wear and tear because of the turf isn't fair i definitely felt it in my lower back and my ankles in particular fifa should be at the forefront of equality and safety issues not lagging behind mm-hmm. um so they she signed a lawsuit yeah uh, she actually also in 2015 was a part of a lawsuit against fifa yeah um and the, the, the suit maintained basically that this was gender discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, and it culminated in this like huge collective bargaining agreement um, in April of 2017 that raised the standards for women that play soccer for the U.S. But the same points have been brought up in the gender discrimination suit that's currently working its way through the courts right now. So while she's suing FIFA, she's winning a World Cup. Right. <laughs> Like, I mean, that's the Canadian World Cup where they won. So, Canadian World Cup? It was played in Canada. Okay. Uh, so then, I was like, those two words don't make any sense. <laughs> so, so, in this collective bargaining agreement was huge because it really upped the standards and the requirements yeah. for what was permitted uh, to, for women, treatment of women. Yeah. But it still wasn't the same. Right. And... So in 2019, the honeymoon ended, mm-hmm. and um, after years of publicly and then privately and publicly detailing the discrimination... Dude, in 2019, I mean, we said this before, it was the year of Megan, but she basically was like, you know what? I have this I'm platform. This. <laughs> um, people are, are looking at me. They're listening to me. I'm going to speak out. You're so going to hear me. The first suit was just a few of... Big, the big names. Right. The one in 2019 has 28 members of the United States women's soccer team. Yep. And and what is it about? 
gender equality. Specifically? The fight for equal pay. Mm-hmm. Other things, but that's the biggest thing. Yes. So there's a disparity in the prize money for the men's and women's World Cups. Uh, and so when the World Cup was played in Russia, France was awarded $38 million, while the women of the winner of the women's tournament took home just $4 million. I, that's a very large pay gap. Megan, that incensed her. Um, the lawsuit filed in March cited institutionalized gender discrimination, including not just their paychecks, but training, travel, coaching, playing, and medical treatment. Basically, they play twice as many games, they have amassed more wins on inferior fields with inferior medical treatment, but get paid less money. That less money is compounded with the fact that they do not have the opportunity to earn huge bonuses like the men's national team. I have so many things to say, but I won't, I will not. Uh, this suit, this suit, as of right now, at the time of we're recording this, is still in litigation. Um, and Megan said this about, uh, you know, about what's going on right now. Um, she said, I feel like this team is in the midst of changing the world around us as we live. And it's just an incredible feeling. And I completely 100% agree with her. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they have done some really cool things and raised a lot of awareness where there wasn't necessarily a spotlight being shown on it before. Um, you know, I read this article a couple weeks ago about, um, okay, so the, at the um, the World Cup, in 2019, mm-hmm. um, there there were chants, right? That was like equal pay. Equal oh, that was pay, beautiful, right? Well, um, <laughs> so that I was reading this article a few weeks ago about this um, this high school girls soccer team in Vermont, who the, underneath their jerseys, because you know they, you got to wear your jersey. Um, underneath their jersey, they were wearing shirts that said equal pay. Um, and one of the you, you know they they score a goal and you'll get really excited. And their plan was just to like lift up their shirt to show the, the equal pay shirt underneath it um, to just kind of raise some awareness and, and, and be in solidarity with Megan and, and the other teammates. Um, but the girls got a little excited mm-hmm. um, and took the shirts off and were swinging them around their, <laughs> or their sorry, their jerseys. And um, they got suspended. Um, um, was it called red carded? I think. Yeah. And got thrown out of, thrown out of the game or, 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 uh, or penalized or something like that. I can't remember what exactly they were, but they were penalized. Um, and so anyway, in solidarity for them, um, the boys soccer team at their same high school is now doing the same thing. They're wearing the, the, the equal pay shirts to practice and underneath their jerseys. Um, and this, this team, they're selling these shirts. Um, they, at the time, the article, um, that I read this article, they had over like 5,000, um, orders mm-hmm. for these shirts. That's just like I thought one of those. That's one small example of what Megan is and, and her teammates have done. You right. know, they have, um, you know, pushed this issue not just in soccer. Um, you know, they they've pushed it down in soccer to the level of high school, mm-hmm. but they they have also pushed everyone else. Everyone who watched them, everyone who, you know, heard the equal pay chance, they have pushed it to almost every other industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a 
much bigger talking point, I think, because of that team, because of their success. Right. When they were at their ticker tape parade, after they won, everybody was chanting equal pay. And like, yeah. how embarrassing is that if you're like the chairman or whatever his position is of the U.S. Women's National Team and you're there or the World Cup? Yeah. Or FIFA or whatever. Like, well, she's not suing FIFA. They're not no, suing FIFA. No, that's They're true. suing yeah. the U.S. specifically because the U.S. is the one that makes choices on. Yeah. You can't see it right now, but uh, <laughs> I'm stewing. The thing, the biggest argument that's made is like, oh, well, the men's soccer games make more money. That's actually not true. Like, if you look at sales and the number of games played, even just sales in general, mm-hmm. um, and then break it down it the women equal them in mm-hmm. sales yeah in ticket sales yeah um so they should get equal everything hey equal medical treatment yeah um yeah so it's i think it's it's really a gutsy move to sue the institution that you work for <laughs> yeah while you're working for them yeah while you're playing for them yeah. i think that that's really a gutsy move and i i i applaud them because i feel this is necessary. It's there's obviously a huge gap, and it, it it's frustrating. You know, she I read an article where she talked about how when she's traveling with the U.S. Women's National Team, as opposed to the men's, that they have to like work out in their hotel gyms, mm-hmm. and the men's like they go and work out like at a real gym. And she's like, you know, you're you're running on a treadmill next to like all these men who are there for a conference or yeah, and it's like, just not yeah. that's just not the look you business want. people. Yeah. <laughs> like you want to practice with your team. It's just the whole level is different and it's really frustrating, I think, for us, but probably more for the people that it's directly affecting. Well, but, I mean, obviously, yes. Yeah. But yeah, it's I'm just, I'm impressed with the way that they've handled this. Um, I'm impressed with the way that they've used their platforms for promoting equal pay, and and they're not just chanting equal pay for themselves, right? They're they didn't they're, even start the chant. No, I mean they didn't, but <laughs> they're promoting equal pay for all women. Yes. So, anyway, um, so that's part of her activism the other part is megan actually came out as gay in 2012 Mm -hmm. and this is a huge moment for her because this was right before the 2012 olympics where the u.s team won gold yep and um it just was a what a moment (laughs) to to come out with something like that yeah i mean that's one of her biggest like that, that was one of her first big um, you know, introductions into international soccer, right? Mm-hmm. So she, you know, that's that's a really scary moment. To... She, yeah, she already had everything on the line, and she's like, "I'm I'm going to double down." Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that you you put a, a really interesting quote in here um, about this, and she so she basically said, um, you know, to be honest, I've been thinking about it for a while, trying to find a time that works. You know, now leading up to the Olympics, people want to get personal stories. Our team in general is in a position where people look up to us and kids look up to us. I embrace that. And I think I have a huge LGBT following. I think it's pretty cool. The opportunity that I have, especially in sports, 
There's not really that many out athletes. It's important to be out and to live my life that way. It's important to see someone who looks like you across the table. Yeah, that's something that you and I talk about all the time mm-hmm. is representation. It mm-hmm. is very important for kids to be able to see themselves in people who are on the TV, who are, you know, um, playing these international soccer matches. Mm-hmm. They're on magazines, on cereal boxes. You know, it's very important for kids. Yeah, and I, I think that not not only is it important for kids, it's important for other adults. I, I mean, I agree. You see, yes. I, <sighs> we talk about this in terms of financial advisors all the time and yeah. how it's important, um, you know, you, you go to sit down with a financial advisor and you want somebody who thinks like you, who, you know, Understand. maybe understands your own... Um, you know, background, heritage, culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so it's, it's important in that aspect as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but it, I, I think it's always important to see people that look different than you or look like you or are the same as you or are different than, from you personality-wise in TV, in social media, in yes. sports, because humanity is very diverse mm-hmm. and we should be celebrating that. Absolutely. If We're everybody all was the same, it would be boring. Yeah, our strength is in our differences. Absolutely. Um, I love that Megan embraces that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, she's... Her, her pink hair. I don't know if it's pink or purple. It's like this color that's somewhere in between. But anyway, I like it. It's yeah. cool. She's, I wish I could pull it off. You can't. I'm sorry. I know. She is an advocate. It's not cool. It's not that you're not cool. It's just you don't have the right skin tone for that. <laughs> <laughs> She's an advocate for the Human Rights Campaign, the LA Gay and Lesbian Center, Gay and Lesbian, Gay, Lesbian and Straight Education Network, Athlete Ally, and LGBTQ other um, groupings. Um, yeah, like other, uh, she's a big, um, she donates her time and money to a lot of LGBTQ. A lot. Yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2012, after she came out and they ended up winning the Olympic gold medal, she was awarded the LA Gay and Lesbian Center Board of Directors Award. Um, which um, that award basically promotes public understanding and educational programming to implement LGBT uh, awareness in sports. Um, that, the, that organization, um, the Athlete Ally, mm-hmm. the, its its goal is basically to end homophobia in sports and to make athletes who identify as LGBT accepted within their own sport right it's a national nonprofit organization mm-hmm. um she became their ambassador in 2013 her twin rachel said and i quote the thing that i love the most about megan is she always does the right thing and she's made very difficult decisions that have sometimes put her in jeopardy end quote um so i think that's true too i mean she there are at least two times, three three times, that she lived her truth. and uh, At least that we just talked about. <laughs> yeah. And that definitely could have put her career and life in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And she did anyway. Yeah. Um, she actually started dating Sue Bird in 2016. Uh, Sue Bird plays for the WNBA. Mm-hmm. She is as athletically gifted as Megan. They're both superstars. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. Agree. Um, actually, when Megan told her mom that she was dating Sue Bird, uh, her mom didn't know who she was. And then she Googled her and she's like, well, you're a lot less impressive now. <laughs> to Megan. <laughs> Mama Rapino. I know. <laughs> she calls her Mammer Jammer because her mom is obsessed with, with pajamas. Okay. And when they went to the 2012 um, Olympics? Was it mm-hmm. the Olympics yes. in 2012? Yeah. Um, she, yeah, it's the Olympics. She, uh, she only packed a certain set of like pajamas. Okay. And when Megan's team did better than they expected, she was out of pajamas and it was a huge problem. And, and Megan, Megan was like, why don't you just wash the ones that you brought and wear them again? And she was like, those are soiled. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so she packs like 20 pairs of pajamas or something. That's actually kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, anyway, so her and Sue Bird, uh, Megan and Sue Bird, they, they ha- actually are the first openly gay couple to be featured on the ESPN, the magazine's body issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in 2018 in June. That's a huge deal, too. Yeah. 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 Um, and she and Sue Bird have been dating for three years. Yeah. So, um, and they're super cute. Like, after she won the World Cup this year with the U.S., uh, Megan, like, posted on Instagram? Is it posted? Yes. It's not tweeted? No. That's Twitter. Okay. She posted on Instagram that... The saga of Alicia struggling <laughs> with social media <laughs> continues. Get used to it, kids. Um, <laughs> she, she posted... I'm so in love with you. And it was a picture of her and Sue, like right after the win. Like it was really cute. I was, it was, is it me cute? Is that what it is? No, no. <laughs> we have got to get you to watch a rom-com movie. Okay. Enough with you. Megan was gl- one of Glamour's uh, women of the year in 2019 for all of her activism. And she right. has done a, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk a little bit about her legacy. I mean, she's 34 yeah. right now um, at the time we're recording this. So, you know, to have a legacy at 34 um, and also while you're still living, I mean, right. that's a tip of the hat. Well, I mean, she's a you. constant voice for equal rights, whether discussion is focused on gender, race, or sexual preference. It's totally true. Um her hometown of Redding, California, recognizes September 10th as Megan Rapino Day. Any idea why September 10th? I have no idea. All right. We're going to look into that one. <laughs> uh, she's releasing two books. Um, and uh, One is in, in fall of 2020. Um, it's going to be a memoir. I can't wait to read that. I bet you can't. Um, it's going to focus on the causes that are important to her. So LGBTQ issues, equal pay um, for women. I'm sure there will be other causes in there because Mm -hmm. she is um tireless yeah i mean she's very relentless in her her pursuit for um causes um the second book is actually going to be written for middle schoolers and will focus on the power they have in their communities in the world Mm -hmm. super cool um she actually runs a camp with her twin sister rachel uh where she passes on the values that they have made her great have fun and work hard 
her favorite part is talking to the kids. So like they rotate between stations and when they get to hers, they all sit down and ask her anything they want. Like, how did you get to be you? <laughs> like, you know, the questions that kids ask people, yeah. but um, I think it's really interesting that she runs this camp and they have the opportunity to speak to the Megan Rapinoe. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I mean, as a kid, mm-hmm. that, and if you're into soccer, even if you're not, I mean, I would want to go to that if I was a kid. I want to go to that now. I was terrible at soccer <laughs> as a kid. I was the kid who was picking dandelions while the ball was whizzing past me. <laughs> I totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was not. I mean, put me on the stage. Give me some point shoes I'll, and some music. I'll be great at dancing for you. But no, I, I was not athletically gifted. My parents tried really hard. They made me try every sport you were athletically gifted just not in soccer no i had no hand-eye coordination whatsoever no no hand-eye no hand like dancing is art but they're also athletes oh absolutely yeah so Um, anyway anyway i wish that we could get an invitation (laughs) to that camp yeah um megan if you're out there (laughs) i would like to come i have all these kids you could she does it's true she (laughs) has four of them now it's um it's a little crazy she's building her own soccer team yeah um, anyway, let's toast to Megan. Yeah. To Megan for your impact on the LGBTQ community as well as the fight for equality. And your amazing athletic gift mm-hmm. that you share with the world. To Megan. Thank you, Alicia, so much for teaching all of us about um, the amazing barrier breaker, Megan Rapino. Ma Barker. Ma Barker, yes. Again, this is Breaking Barriers, and a little now louder now podcast produced by The Bridge Initiative. Thank you to our listeners for taking some time today to talk with me and Alicia uh, about Megan Rapino. Stay tuned for more podcasts featuring magnificent women who broke barriers. If you'd like to catch up on what we've been doing, if you have questions, topic ideas, or if you'd like to join the Bridge Initiative community, you can visit fi360bridge.com to check on previous podcasts, webinars, and blog posts. You can email us at bridge at fi360.com and connect with us on Twitter or Insta at fi360bridge. You can also support the podcast without spending a dime by leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, we want you all to get a little louder now.